Regina Gillespie, president and owner of Best Home Medical in Barbersville, West Virginia, has been on Twitter for less than a year, but she's making a name for herself on the social media platform for tagging government officials, legislators, and media outlets about the struggles of the HME industry at the hands of CMS. Frequent sources of her frustration, Medicare's competitive bidding program, and the agency's 36-month cap on oxygen reimbursement. In a recent tweet, she wrote, CMS, food for thought. With the public health emergency and weather disasters, wouldn't it help to have those 40% of DemiPost providers that closed due to unsustainable reimbursement open about now? Senators Manchin and Capito, fix reimbursement now. Healthcare needs us. I'm Liz Bollier. And I'm Teresa Flaherty. And this is HME News in 10 from HME News. Stay with us. Well, thanks for joining us uh, on HME News in 10 today, Regina. We appreciate it. Sure. I'm happy to do it. Great. So let's start by talking about what it's like to be a provider in a rural area right now. Give us sort of the high level of what that's been like recently. Well, I can definitely say it's an adventure, um, (laughs) lately especially, um, trying to juggle, you know, the COVID uh, PHE and, you know, just trying to get our PPE stuff here and inventory and just trying to juggle everything, fee schedules and the MCOs. And then recently we've had, along with COVID, We've had snowstorms. Well, actually, in one week, we had a snowstorm, an ice storm, and flooding all in the same week that resulted in power outages that some actually lasted about two weeks in duration. So my drivers have been out delivering tanks quite a bit recently. And, you know, in a rural area, it's very difficult because of the miles we travel and the terrain that we travel. And during that week, we ended up having two vehicles towed <laughs> that ended up in ditches, but thankfully, the drivers were all safe and got all the patients taken care of. But it, it makes it difficult, you know, especially with the increased cost and the overtime and, and the mileage, you know, in between stops that we have. You talked about the bad weather, even natural disasters in your area. How has the that whole environment sort of, how how has it been exacerbated by the pandemic? You talked about the PHE, but I guess what has been the impact of the pandemic on your business? From a business standpoint, you know, in the very beginning, I was worried about getting the PPE for my staff. You know, I tried to order as much as I could early on. And even inventory, back in, I think it was December when they were talking about it overseas, I was like, you know, most of our stuff's made in China. <laughs> Maybe I should order some more stuff. So I kind of upped my ordering the end of December. Just, I don't know. And I thought, well, if I don't need it, it's not going to go bad. I'll still have it. So thankfully, we had stuff. But I worried about my drivers. being Because in the beginning, especially, we didn't know what this virus was doing. And to have my drivers in all the homes and making sure that we uh, bought ozone machines to use on the equipment. Mm-hmm. I bought air sanitizers for all the offices. We were, we've been wearing masks since the very beginning. The drivers are wearing full PPE, you know, in the homes and N95. And so it definitely increased cost, but 
to me, that didn't matter. I was more concerned about the safety of the employees and the patients because I didn't want us carrying the virus from one patient to the next. It was all just very, it's been very scary, really, from this side of it. But we have luckily only had one driver that contracted COVID and had a very mild case. And, you know, so we're very thankful. Regina, we follow you on Twitter, and you've been pretty outspoken there about the strange rural providers. Face. Um, you tag legislators, you tag CMS, you tag media. Why do you prioritize making your voice heard on? on social media, and do you ever hear back from anybody in response? <laughs> well, since we were in round one in 2006 is when I started going to D.C., and actually the late Senator Byrd was still in office back then, I learned back then that the senators and members of Congress, all of them, and their staff, they really have so many people coming at them all the time with their issues and concerns. and and if you don't kind of set yourself out from the rest of them, they're going to forget you as soon as you walk out the door. So I learned that after a couple of years of going that you needed to be the squeaky wheel. You needed to stay in front of them, not in a bad way, but, I mean, I know sometimes I get lost on social media <laughs> and tag them on things, but um, I always try to be respectful with it. And I tag CMS as well, because I think they need to see stuff that maybe they don't see from their side of it, you know, and maybe if they see it from our side, it will register with them when they're making these decisions, but but now I've been going to D.C. at least every year, once a year, and then I've, the important part is to get to know their health LAs in those offices and develop a relationship with them, and so even now, I email them usually once every two weeks, just an update on what's going on. Like when hmm. our vans, I think I put on social media where our van was almost over the hillside in the ice storm. Mm-hmm. You know, I sent that to their health LAs and said, look, the cost of the tow truck, the gas, the overtime, none of that's factored into these fee schedules. You know, and you need to keep this in mind that the power outage, you know, we're keeping these patients in their homes. And they appreciate getting that information because it helps them go to CMS on our behalf if they understand more of what we're dealing with. You know, and us just calling them and, and rattling off the the language of our industry, they might not understand half of what we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. if you say oxygen concentrator, some of them might not know initially what you're talking about. So I've been fortunate that. Senator Capito's Health LA has been with her now for several years, and Senator Manchin's staff has been there pretty consistently. And they're really good about if they hear something, they'll email me. I try to email them. Even when the riot happened January 6th, I was emailing all the staffers in those offices, checking on them because some of them are the same age as my son (laughs) and I'm like Mm. oh my gosh I want to make sure they're safe and they all got back to me and so it's good to develop the relationship with them because I found they're the ones that can get the senator or the the house member to sign the letter for you to write the letter to sign on to the bill because they're the ones that really learn it inside and out and then they just give the 
short summary to the senator and say, yes, this is good. You need to sign on it. And that's basically what I learned by going up there, too, is there's no sense in trying to give a big speech to the senator or the House member because they're going to forget about it the minute they walk out the door because somebody else is coming at them. So it's really those the, the staff. And, and I think the staff, since they are younger, they look at that social media more. And that's kind of just a way that I thought that's a way to, to get our information out to the public, to those members of Congress. And now, you know, when I go up there, Senator Manchin knows who I am. Senator Capito knows who I am. And I tease them that I'm their favorite stalker because <laughs> I'm constantly <laughs> saying something to them or emailing them or sending them something on Facebook. But they're always, like, very nice, and they say they appreciate getting the information. It sounds like it with the legislators anyway, Regina. It goes both ways. And that's what people need to keep in mind, that it's helpful, like, um, say when VGM or if I see something in HME News that helps explain what's going on more in our industry and breaks it down for them, I will send that information to them. And they're always like, thanks for sending this. This is really helpful. Because the more time we can save them and help them, the more apt they are to help us. And and that's what I found, you know, over the years, just kind of trial and error working with, you know, members of Congress. And then I'll say you need to do the same thing with your state senators mm-hmm. and House members as well. What about being a vocal advocate for the HME industry makes you a better business owner, Regina? What? How has it influenced that side of what you do? I think it helps a lot of the time with the referral sources, especially speaking directly with the physicians, because I have physicians that will email me and say, you know, what's going on with Medicare or, or you know, explain this competitive bidding to me. Or So it's helped me strengthen the relationships with some of the physicians in our market and the sleep labs and, you know, just different referral sources that we work with. It's also helped me kind of look at fee schedules more and how the MCOs work compared to CMS. And it's just made me more aware of keeping up with VGM and AA Home Care and AC Mesa. Um, West Virginia is now a part of AC Mesa. And, you know, reading HME News, and it's made me stay more informed about what's going on and hopefully trying to head some stuff off ahead of time on the state level before it gets to us, if that makes sense. It's kind of helped me be more proactive. Regina, if you could wave your wand and change one thing about DME policy right now, what would it be? <laughs> well, you've got all the power. <laughs> there's so many things. Probably that there's probably three things right right now I'd like to see happen. First of all, I'd like to see them add COVID as a qualifying diagnosis for oxygen. They have during the PHE, but I worry about after the PHE. I'd like to see it made permanent because we have some patients that were on it temporarily. We picked up the oxygen, but we have other ones that are having some of the long-term effects. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see that changed. I'd like to see oxygen no longer capped, especially at these low reimbursement rates. I think that needs to go away. 
and I'd like to see the fee schedule adjusted and, of course, competitive bidding to be eliminated. So I definitely need a magic wand to um, <laughs> <laughs> probably make some of those things happen. Yeah, definitely, for sure. But I think there, you know, there's always work going on toward some or most of all of those goals. So right. that's, that's great. Um, back to Twitter for a minute, Regina. I lo- we love your dog. What is the name of your dog? And we love it when the dog makes an appearance on Twitter. <laughs> well, she's on Facebook a lot and on Instagram, so I need to get her more exposure on uh, Twitter. Um, <laughs> but her name's uh, Lexi, and she's a 60-pound golden doodle. She's five years old, and actually, because I take her to doggy daycare a couple of days a week, the owner is a physician's assistant, and he sent up both my offices lunch today in on behalf of Lexi. So oh, Lexi nice. kinda helps with she's kind of the mascot of the company. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well yeah, thanks, she has a big following. Thanks for joining us, Regina, and stay stay safe and keep up all the good work. Well thank you guys. And that's HME News in ten.